0: Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. Viator is the place to go to book experiences that will create long lasting moments that make lifetime memories. And Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries. In fact, In fact, just last year, Viator helped my family put together this amazing adventure on the island of Kona. Swimming with the manta rays, trying to avoid the barracudas, whatever your wildest dreams. If you can imagine it, Viator probably has an experience just for you. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in Viator's world of wonderful experiences. Viator, one site. Over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Football!
1: And what is up? Welcome, man. It is GC Live. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Friday episode of the show, beautiful day in the capital city. I got to say, man, it looks outstanding out the window right now. Hope everybody is doing well out there and uh, glad to be back on the air or on the podcast, uh, wherever you listen and or watch. We do appreciate it. Uh, A lot to talk about this week, Chris, man. I mean, we've got uh, commitments flying in from the transfer portal on the men's basketball side, uh, a commitment on the football side. I thought this would be a good day just to sort of, um, recap all that, give some thoughts on some of those guys, and talk a little bit about uh, maybe what is next as far as recruiting, what's going on with that, uh, heading into through May and into June, certainly on the football side. We'll be busy, but um, before we get down to it, man, how's everything going?
2: Everything's good, man, and congratulations on getting the intro right. Small thing, not sure if you tuned in, Wes, on the Wednesday solo show, we threw it back, unintentionally, really. You know, you've done the solo show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to consider. There's a lot going on. So we did we did the old countdown, and then we did the old school intro. Both unintentional, wow. but that's okay. We did tell the people about Clint Hammond, though, at the beginning.
1: Okay, well, that is good. And that's, uh, that's a great segue, because that's what I need to do right now is to Put his smiling face on the screen and tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond, Clint Hammond.com. C Hammond, that's the letter C Hammond at mortgage is how you can email Clint or just give him a call. He's got like a thousand phone numbers on here. I don't, I don't really know why. Uh, but 803-576-4450. Tell Clint that Wes and Chris sent you. Um, even if you don't tell him that, he's going to take care of you. But um, he'll probably talk a little bit of Gamecock Sports with you while you're at it if you tell him that we sent you. And uh, he will help walk you through that process of buying a home or refinancing and make it incredibly simple. So uh, we appreciate Clint, as always, being our main presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. Um, I, I had to go back, Chris, and make sure that I was, uh, you know, had, had everything in mind that we needed to talk about because it's been a little bit of a whirlwind as far as uh, commitments coming in. And let, let's kind of go in order with, uh, you know, I think we had already talked about Hayden Brown from the Citadel on Monday, but really since the Monday show, um, there's been a lot going on. And um, I think, you know, it, it probably is the best thing to do is just for us to go back and, and kind of go in order with these commitments that South Carolina landed. And, and that started with uh, with Michi Johnson Jr., who, first of all, is on the all-name team, certainly. Uh, Ohio State uh, transfer who commits to South Carolina on Monday. And certainly the most highly coveted, most highly recruited when you look back into their high school career, uh, you know, as far as, a guy that was a a major prospect in the state of Ohio, number one prospect in the state of Ohio uh, according to On Three, and a four-star guy um, out of high school that originally, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story, y'all. Um, as Chris has to duck out for a second, we will, um, I'm sure, get Chris back in in a second. But so w- with Michi, you know, I, I think. It's kind of obviously the guy has talent, and obviously, he is someone that, um, you know, was extremely highly recruited and just had kind of one of those starts to his career where it was one thing after another. And, you know, I, I think uh, when, when you look at the injuries, first of all, he was injured in high school, then he enrolled early at Ohio State, so he was a freshman. Playing, um, you know, he was a freshman, but he wasn't really a freshman Yeah, He should have been a high school senior. Uh, by the way, are you back on, Chris? Okay, we're gonna pull you back in. Um, good to go. He, so, so Michi, I was saying, you know, just he, he obviously has talent. You're not the number one high school prospect in Ohio, and you don't go to Ohio State if you don't have ability. And, you know, I, I think with him you look at the injuries the injury in high school then you look at his his second year at ohio state um i, I think he fractured he, he messed he had a an incident in practice where he hurt his face he was having to wear a mask in games then uh, he I, I was reading reports he sprained his ankle and he just never really got going at, at ohio state so i think you're talking about a guy that comes into south carolina I I get the impression he's going to be plugged right in. He's probably going to have every opportunity to go play, to get his feel back, um, to, to be a guy, you know, to be in some ways be one of the guys at, at South Carolina. And, you know, sometimes a change of scenery is valuable. Like I, I don't want to just hype this guy up completely without ever having seen him play in person. But I, I do think you can look at it and see – why South Carolina was intrigued to bring in someone like Meechie Johnson.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great starting point. Because, I mean, we, we talk about this a lot. In football, we love to write off a guy, you know, if he hasn't made the impact that maybe we think he should. And, and sometimes that's game one for people. Sometimes that's year one. Sometimes it's year two. But as we've seen – And we've seen, there's examples of this from every sport, right? And yes, we'll we'll recognize there are people that don't ultimately live up to their ranking. There's no doubt. But it does take guys a while. And especially what you just laid out, the injury situation, um, certainly, you know, precludes a guy with this talent level from being able to to reach that potential. We, We haven't really seen, I mean, this guy was in the 2020 class look at his own three ranking. I mean, the on three consensus has him as a 92.5 rating as a four-star, 91 national, and number one in the state of Ohio for the 2020 class. So that's a player that was highly ranked and recruited, talented, and he's still relatively young players, 2022, and he's got that injury history. So when you look at him, or have the stats been there? No, but it is a guy with ability. We know that. And he's, like you said, I'd echo you. Every opportunity Michi Johnson's going to have to come in, get the ball, and get the ball a lot.
1: Definitely. And, you know, I, I think you you look, we're starting to see this roster come together. South Carolina now has three transfers. And, we, you know, I think we knew they were going to have to go heavy transfer portal route because of the guys that they lost um, from last year essentially every single starter off of last year's team is either out of eligibility when it comes to uh, to Reese and then of course, um, in the portal in terms of, of every single other guy. So uh, we knew at this late stage of high school recruiting and just the way things are going in college athletics all the way around, that the portal was going to have to be a uh, you know a, a major part of what South Carolina does. And, you know, I, I think uh, w- with them, that that's that's really the only option you have right now. And so, uh, I, I think if you're a fan out there, you can be a little bit, um, you know, wait and see on these guys. Like, I, I don't know that you look at them all and say, you know, these guys are going to just come in and, and all three be world beaters. But you can also see what the staff is trying to do and you can see that you're going to have a much better chance with some guys even if they're coming, you know, in from a coastal or coming in from the citadel. You got a much better chance with some guys that have some maturity to them, have uh, you know, just the physical strength, the experience uh, of playing at this level, uh, they're going to have a better chance to go in and at least play decent compared to Signing late stage high school guys, you know, as far as, you know, when, when all the when many of the top players have already been recruited and committed somewhere else.
2: Well, and for a good example of how the portal has changed things, I mean, look back to the last coach and the last changeover situation with Frank Martin. You go back then, 2012, 2013 season, you know, Frank Martin inherits a South Carolina team that was not doing well. That's why there was a coaching change from a roster standpoint it was pretty lean, right? And there were some defections when you think about recruiting, when you think about the roster. Certainly there have been defections now um, to the extreme from Frank Martin's last South Carolina team. Um, Now guys could transfer in basketball then, but you didn't have the advent of the free transfer that we have right now. Um, And so that has made it a lot more prevalent, and that does make it – that doesn't make it easy – but it does give you an additional resource in being able to go out and, like you said, build. Especially when you're trying to rebuild, you can rebuild fairly quickly in terms of getting experience and and even talent on your roster. And so Frank Martin's first team, they struggled. They're 14 and 18. They're four and 14 in the conference and finished 12th in the SEC. We talked about this the other day, Wes. That those were lean times. Those were not good basketball teams because Frank Martin then was having to rely on what's on the roster. Let's piecemeal that together. Let's bring in some prospects and try to develop them early. And you had to go recruit your way out of it from the JUCO or the high school ranks. Now you've got that, but you've also got the portal. And so uh, look at Lamont Paris' his last team at Chattanooga. He built that with transfers, and that was after being there for a time. We knew that was going to be the strategy with him coming in as a new coach. So, yeah, it's not like they're landing – you know, here's four guys that have all transferred from, you know, Kentucky and Kansas, all these different places. You do have to be resourceful because now transfers are are looking to move up or they're looking to move over from one power five school to the other. It's a lot more prevalent.
1: So um, next in line, just from a timeline standpoint, would have been Nate Adkins. But let's, uh, because we're on basketball, let's stick with basketball and then we'll circle back to Nate and you know, I, I think a very, very intriguing pickup in Abrima Diba, who is the Coastal Carolina transfer, um, a, a point guard, six foot six, two hundred five pounds, more of a guy. I, I think Chris, who he he is a point guard, and I, I actually talked to him today, and we're, we've got a story coming up fairly soon, and I asked him that very thing. You know, like, are are you a true point guard, or w- what? Like, I know you, you obviously seem to have some position versatility because of your your height. And he said, you know, he is much more comfortable playing the point guard position. Like, that's what he feels like he is. He's an excellent passer. Um, he is a distributor of the basketball. Um, man, I mean, look, look at this. He led this, the entire Sunbelt Conference um, with an uh, assist per game and, of course, led his team in total assists with 173 assists last season. So this is a guy who's going to spread the basketball around, use his size to create good passing angles. And, you know, I, I think is just an intriguing pickup. Not you go back. He's uh, he's from Sweden, uh, but um, then played high, he played high school ball in New Jersey at St. Benedict's and at St. Benedict's Prep. So I, I look and um, you only have one year left. I think that is the concern. You know, with a couple of these guys, it's you. It is kind of a stopgap situation, to be completely honest. But I, I think um, talking to a man, very mature kid, um, confident, uh, excited about being at South Carolina, and, and just was extremely complimentary. I mean, you would expect there, you know, a guy to be complimentary of the staff he just committed to, but was incredibly complimentary of Lamont Paris and and staff not just based on the basketball side, but on the genuineness that he felt when he visited South Carolina. So uh, another intriguing pickup for the Gamecocks.
2: Yeah, and Rhett Corley makes a great point on YouTube. A, a pretty good foul shooter. I think he was 80% last year. And looking at the stat line, pretty well-rounded. I mean, he can rebound. He laid out how he can distribute the basketball. And he can score. I mean, that that's you look around this roster as it's currently composed, and the probably the biggest question I would come away with Wes is kind of where's the scoring going to come from? Because it's not like you return a lot of proven commodities. You've got some guys that can score. You, you look at Meiji Johnson, like he's a guy that has from an ability standpoint can score the ball. We haven't seen it yet. You know, they don't have a lot of proven guys in that regard. So um Diva's probably a guy that, you know, you're going to need to score more, but you're also going to need a distributor. And so, um, that that's a key position. He's a really intriguing talent being a 6'6 point guard, so really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Pretty pretty versatile player, it seems.
1: Had a question about Kuznard. Um, I haven't seen where he's picked a school yet. I, I think it would be out there if he had. I know he was taking some visits, and it had gotten really a lot of interest. So I would imagine – you know, you're going to see something fairly soon from him because these guys are are probably going to want to get to the campus of their next school and and go ahead and move in and enroll in June, I would think, in a lot of cases. But, no, I I have not seen anything yet where Jermaine has committed to a new school. Um, Jamie Henson on Facebook asking about um, Malachi Smith. Of course, that was the other intriguing news from earlier this week was that Malachi Smith, who is currently – Still, I believe, Chris, officially still entered into the NBA draft, but it, it's a completely different situation now with the draft than it once was. As long as you don't hire an agent, there are possibilities for you to uh, come back to college. And even, um, we were talking about this the other day, Chris, if you are if you don't get drafted, um, you can come back. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. And I was going to pull up the exact like language for our listeners of, of what it says. There's a lot of conversation about this in like 2018 and 2019. Um, a lot of times you would see guys that go the NBA combine and that was like this this kind of mesh point for that. But um, let me let me see if I can find the exact language on that real quick as my ring light falls for some reason. We're having a lot of difficulties here at the Clark office today, Wes. Chris, are you are you all right over there,
1: man? Like, I, I well, feel I got, like...
2: Yeah, let's give a little inside baseball to people. So, the reason I went off the screen earlier today is because I heard some yelling and I heard what sounded like a gushing of water. We've got some work going on in our house. And apparently, and this is the second time this has happened when I've been on, like, either a Zoom call or a live show, a pipe was burst in our house. So, we had to go and instruct people of where to turn the water off. So that was a lot of fun.
1: And, and earlier, uh, Chris was having issues with his ring light. Um, now it's
2: falling on me. So
1: yeah. So it's just it's been a day. Maybe you day. need to
2: do your own solo show today. I'm just getting. No, I, it.
1: I, I do not like doing solo shows. I'll admit. Um,
2: but I've given up on
1: the ring light thing. I'm just like I I'm when it's when it's light outside when it's bright. I'm just using the the natural light um, popping in. Now when it's raining and stuff, then it's an issue. But anyway. We're going to get through it. We're going to be good. We're going to be fine. Uh, we're talking Malachi Smith. And, dude, he's the one that I look at. And and it seems like other Gamecock fans are looking at as well. And they've been daring to dream, right? It's like this dude would be an instant impact player for South Carolina in terms of all the things we're talking about, scoring the basketball, and all around. You know, I, I think the guy could be a, a borderline superstar. And – you know, I think it's kind of two-sided where you you have the obvious in in terms of Lamont Paris, and he he knows the scheme clearly. He knows what they do on offense, on defense. The entire staff is here, so, it you know, it, it would certainly make sense. The other hand is this guy is such a good player that it's probably going to be the biggest competition among any of the other guys. South Carolina has gone for in in the transfer portal. But I, I can certainly see why Gamecock fans are looking at him and saying, that's the guy that makes sense. That's the guy that I want to put the cherry on top of this transfer class.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the ties there are obvious with him having, you know, Lamont Paris and multiple assistants here that he's familiar with had success there. He's a really good player. All those things add up to him being okay. This makes sense. He's almost like the, uh, like the Spencer Rattler, you know, when a uh, football, because people looked around and they, during the season, even before Spencer Rattler is in the portal, they're going, okay, you know, what, what's going on here? Spencer Rattler's in the portal. Shane Beamer's at South Carolina. People are going, South Carolina needs a quarterback. You know, Shane Beamer, let's, let's make this happen, right? Um, the competition, like you, like you said, Wes, we've heard that there's some big time schools that have reached out to Malachi Smith, um, jumping up from that level. You, you might be inclined to take that. But the NBA draft is also, you know, something to watch and uh, could be a focus for them too. Now, I did find the kind of exact wording, not of the policy, but just here's kind of the nuts and bolts. Back in the day, Wes, of course, before like 2018 or so, it, players could withdraw from the draft, but they had to do it by a certain date and then they couldn't hire an agent. So now the rule is you can actually hire an agent and then you can go back to college, even if you hire an agent. But there's a few different things, you know, that, that you have to kind of hit on with that. Uh, you have to request an underclassman evaluation from the NBA and you have to participate in the NBA combine. Um, if you go undrafted, you can go back to school. You have to end your agent relationship, blah, blah, blah. So there are there are some ways now, obviously, thankfully, for players to be able to return to college.
1: All right. So we'll certainly keep an eye on that. But I, I think. Among the basketball targets that are out there, when that news came out, I mean, it was jumping on the message boards like people uh, really started. It was, it was a discussion point uh, among them. So that's something we'll be keeping a very, very close eye on moving forward. Uh, let, let's shift to the football side. Nate Atkins committing to South Carolina on Monday. Um, he was the welcome home on Monday. Went public, I'm guessing that was Tuesday. I know Chris and I are terrible with days and dates, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Monday to the staff, Tuesday to the public. And I think it's an intriguing pickup, man. You look at what he did at um, East Tennessee State. He really developed as a pass catcher, actually. I, I think you look at him and you say, oh, this guy's probably more of a blocker. He played offensive tackle in high school. Wasn't really big enough to play offensive tackle in college. Transitioned to tight end, and then, you know, I was talking to somebody to asked for like an evaluation on the guy. They said, "Look, he's he's a crafty route runner. He's got good hands. He uh, he can make plays in the passing game. But he's also, as you would expect, a very physical blocker. Um, his weight fluctu- fluctuates from about two forty five to two fifty. Six foot three. I think for South Carolina, though, man." he's probably going to be asked to be that sort of grinder, uh, you know, when, when they want to get in two tight ends, they want to get in three tight ends, they want to run the football, um, you know, get, you know this is the guy you put on the field and, and give yourself an extra physical blocker at the point of attack, I think.
2: When South Carolina was able to find some pockets of success running the football last year, you think back to some of the things they did, and like the Florida game, for instance, a lot of that was out of some too tight sets with Nick Muse and Trey Kenyon. Well, Nick Muse isn't on the roster anymore. Austin Stogner will be coming in, and and I think he can take that role and be a really good pass catcher too. But we do know that in this offense, there are three tight end packages. They have stuff where they have a fullback, which we've seen Trey Jones do some of that. Nick at- or you know Atkins at his size. Seems like a guy that maybe you can slot him there, too, Wes, just for a little bit of a different look. But, yeah, developed as a pass catcher, smart kid, sharp kid, knows football, knows the game, Um, talked to some people about him, and you kind of get a a he can play, you know. And so I think it caught some people off guard um, because a lot of what we talked about is, hey, if South Carolina has a transfer spot, what do you do with it? You know, and so you think of, okay, safety. Or maybe if there's an elite offensive tackle, right? Something like that. You didn't really see tight end as as big of a need. But you think back to the spring, and you don't have Austin Stogner in the spring. Jaheen Bell's sidelined. Um, Kenyon's kind of in and out. He obviously played in the spring game. And so you've got Chad Terrell and some, some walk-ons at that point. So uh, you obviously feel a lot better about the situation because you are going to get Jaheen Bell back, we know. You're going to get Austin Stogner this summer, and you do have Kenyon, who had his best season by far as a game Gamecock during his short career so far. Um, but, but Atkins is a guy that gives him a little bit of a different skill set and a different look, and I think he he can play a role on this team and possibly a, a pretty important one, especially when you look at the run game, which is an area that South Carolina needs to improve in terms of consistency.
1: I, I think it it gives added versatility to this offense. And what they could do. You know, I, I think right now, you kind of you kind of go into this season and, and you say, like, Chris, I don't look at this offense and say there's any one spot where I'm like there's a glaring hole. Like, I, I think if they, that depending on matchups, depending on the game, depending on what they want to do on a given week, if you want to go spread it out, go four wide, take more of like a wide open approach, you actually maybe for the first time in a while have the guys on this roster to go try to do that. If you want to go two tight ends and and put two extra blockers on the field and take more of an approach like that, I I think you probably have the guys to do that. If you want to put in a jumbo package for short yardage, I I think you have the guys that you can do that as well. And I I think, you know, anytime you have that versatility as far as what you can be on offense – that that's clearly a good thing. Now, the other side of that is now that you you know you're 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 adding these different weapons, you're adding these different you have different tools in your toolbox. I would call it. It comes back to Marcus Satterfield and being able to put it all together and not getting too not getting too just caught up in well, we want to be able to do this, we want to be able to do that. All the positives I just talked about, right? But it can go too far when you try to do too much. So I, I think that to me, the, we talked about this during our our live, our spring game live show. Certainly we talked about it right after. How do you put it all together? Like what what's the plan to make all of this um kind of be in sync and be efficient? And that's that's sort of my My biggest question, maybe, certainly on that side of the ball, going into the offseason, is how do you do that? But, Chris, I also would much rather, if it was my team, I'd rather that be the question as opposed to being like, I don't have the guys to work with uh, to accomplish it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's true. You you do feel in a better position because you look at, You know, and there are some questions, obviously. Like, will running back be as good as it was last season? Even though statistically, it wasn't. I mean, from a personnel standpoint, you look at quarterback, you look at tight end, you look at receiver. Like, you feel as good or better in most cases about all those things. But it is important for this team to, as opposed to just being able to do a bunch of things in as terms of formations and plays, do something well. You know, and last year we thought the something that they would be able to do well would be run the football pretty well and for much of the year that that was not the case so i think this team's positioned itself where if those things click they can do more than one thing well potentially right but it is still a question mark it is still very much proven mode because they have to go out there and do it but from just a personnel and a pieces standpoint i think there's more reason for optimism offensively than there was going into last year and you got to remember, we went into last year with a lot of questions, Wes. But it was still fairly shocking or surprising some of the struggles, the types of struggles, and how extreme they were uh, for this team.
1: No, definitely, definitely. And, and you know, offense became a—I mean, it—it it was just—it it was mind-numbing talking about the offense every single week. I think last year, I mean, y'all remember that all—all all the shows, and then. You know, it extended not just our show. If you're doing other shows and um, all all anybody talked about, for the most part, what was the offense. And I I just – I don't know, y'all. I just feel like in year two, it's in a a much better – there's a much higher upside for this offense this year than there was going into last year. Now, whether or not they can get close to it and reach it is – that's why you play the games, and we'll all find out together on that. So, um Moving forward, though, Chris, I think worth pointing out, uh, and by the way, be on the lookout. Kendall Smith and I have a little recruiting rundown video feature coming up. Uh, That'll be out, I believe, tomorrow morning. But, Chris, right now, spring evaluation period. I actually asked Beamer about this when I was in Spartanburg County for that Gamecock Club welcome home meeting. And this is an important part of the recruiting process that was taken away last year due to COVID. This year, South Carolina's coaches are on the road the assistant coaches going to high schools, checking in on prospects, um, watching them have their spring practices in some cases, and is just a really key part of the eval process that was not here before.
2: Yeah, and this is a, a really important tool for the coaches. The head coach can't be out by NCAA rule, but the 10 assistants can, and they they not every day, all the time, but they can split up the days from April 15th to May 31st. They will split up the days and, and the territories and things of that nature. So, um, you know, two, basically two evaluations per prospect. And it's just a time where the coaches can go in and check on the academics of a prospect, talk to people around the school, talk to the coaching staff. Like you said, Wes, go check out a spring practice for those that are doing that. Um, and and really, you can, all, you can also gather some intel, you know, sit down with coaches and see, you know, what are they hearing? Where do they think things stand? Um, with these players, so it's it's a really really valuable tool, and I know the coaches are are glad to have it back.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's um that that intel gathering man, probably an an underrated aspect of recruiting, and it, it's not you know m- most coaches you would think oh they're not gonna they're not gonna throw their guy under the bus, um, but you will find in a lot of cases high school coaches I feel like are pretty. Honest to college coaches because they they don't want to get the reputation with the, the college coaches of overhyping every kid they have, you know. So I think most of the time, especially if a guy is not is not a, a guy who's who's in the weight room like he's supposed to, this is an academic check as well. Matter of fact, at a extremely technical level, the eval period is supposed to be two available trips to a prospect's high school one is an evaluation trip for you know physical ability the other um is an academic check-in so that is is obviously a a big part of this and you want to know ahead of time is this guy going to come in and work is he a team player is he is he a guy that they have to beg to come to the weight room is he a guy that's in there every single time without anyone even wondering if he's going to be there or not so I think that's a big part of the eval that was that was lost. You know, so a lot of what we're seeing in the transfer portal right now, so many guys hitting it, uh, is probably starting to be a carryover f- effect from all those guys that signed with schools a couple of years ago, without ever even stepping foot on campus. In my opinion, when you didn't have this evaluation period.
2: Yeah, you have definitely seen some of that. You've, you've seen kids that did not get to take a visit, unfortunately, but. You sign somewhere because that's what you do. You get scholarships, you go, and um, I, I think some buyer's remorse, so to speak, on this on the part of some uh, players, and probably for coaches too, you know, um, because they the evaluation tools at their disposal for quite a while. West we didn't have the spring eval period. You had no in person contact in recruiting, so you couldn't face to face look a guy in the eye and talk to him, and couldn't have him in summer workouts either. So that that made it difficult, just kind of going off tape and you're just kind of doing the best you can. And, and so are the prospects and their families with trying to figure out, you know, where to go and, and those different fits. Much, just doing stuff in person is just much different than virtual. I mean, our, our world has gone more virtual and that's a good thing. We're able to do this show mm-hmm. instead of sitting in front of a bunch of people and we don't have to you and I don't have to be together. These are great things They can make us more efficient. But when it comes to visits and seeing guys evaluating, you need to have that in-person aspect of it.
1: Definitely, man. But uh, Before we get out of here, I do want to talk a bit about um, a couple of guys, uh, mainly Markey Anderson, uh, Dorman, prospect, in-state guy, number two prospect in the state of South Carolina for 2023. But before we talk about that, I want to tell you about our buddies at Liberty Tax, Overcome Your Tax anxiety. 803-462-5576. Uh, The 2022 tax deadline has certainly passed, but the tax team at Liberty Tax is still helping cure your taxiety. You can file an extension. They have locations open Monday through Friday. If you own a small business and need advice, uh, they can help you with that. Bookkeeping and payroll services for LLCs, S-Corps, and C-Corps. If you owe money to the IRS, hope that is not you, but you can meet with a local professional to represent you in settling your debt and not one of those late-night 800 numbers. You can do it with a local. Hit up the new Columbia location, 551 St. Andrews Road. That is by the Harbor Freight. We certainly appreciate Larry and the tax team at Liberty Tax supporting Gamecock Central and supporting GC Live. Chris, uh, Markey Anderson, a guy, South Carolina. Uh, you know, I was looking back. I had actually forgotten. Carolina was the first team to offer Marquee, Wait That was 2020. When they offered marquee, uh, I believe that would have been Eric Wolford extending that offer. But that that, you know, just stepping in on him early for a dormant guy. South Carolina has not had success recruiting top dorman prospects. They've almost gone the distance on this one. He is kind of he's inching ever closer to a decision Four official visits in June. Gamecocks will get one of them. He's going to make his decision right now. The plan is right before his senior season. But first of all, great prospect, man. Really good player. Fits exactly what you're looking for in an SEC, def- or SEC offensive lineman, I should say. Four-star guy on all the services. And it just it feels like the Gamecocks are, are in a really good place here.
2: Yeah, it does. And, and it is kind of almost jarring when you're talking about Carolina being in such good position with – a Dorman player because you think of, you know, some of the guys that have that have not gone to South Carolina from there. I mean, on the offensive line front, the one I think of a lot is Brandon Thomas who, who went to Clemson. And, um, you know, being in the upstate and some Clemson ties there at Dorman, and um, it just hasn't broken South Carolina's way. But Markey Anderson, a little bit different from that, and I think has, has liked the Gamecocks for a while. The old staff did get in early and the new staff with Shane Beamer, with Greg Adkins, the rest of the staff, they've done a really nice job with them. marquee has been on campus. I mean, it has to be tons more than other schools, right? I mean, I'm, Clemson's lured them up there some for sure. North Carolina's had them on campus a good bit, I think. But South Carolina, I think, by far holds that visit lead. So you follow the visits, you follow what you hear, and it, it looks like they're in a, a pretty strong position with them.
1: Yep, and, uh, you know, I, I was going back and listening to the interview I got with them earlier this week. I, I, and again, you can't, I'm breaking my own rule. You can't really read completely into what prospects say about schools. I'm not so sure that North Carolina isn't number two on the list. Now, again, he he has not put out a a public order. He's not named a favorite. I'm going by what we hear I'm going by vibes stuff like that so you know don't don't confuse the two but I, I think South Carolina is one and then I, it, it's North Carolina and Clemson next but I don't know just the way he talked about North Carolina Um really likes their O-line coach and uh, really likes their O-line coach's uh, pedigree uh, coming in from the uh from the NFL Uh Bicknell I think his name Jack Bicknell Jr. Is the UNC O line coach who's done a good job there and has gotten you know Marquis visited there um, several times. Not again, not as much as South Carolina, but and then LSU is kind of just the dark horse in this thing. He's never visited there, but does plan to take an official visit. So we'll see what happens there. But you can kind of see as a there's a pretty local flair to his other three schools uh, as far as um, you know who's who's heavily involved. So LSU probably a tough tough uh get for them to to get him but we will certainly see uh, I'm trying to think who else do we want to talk about man real quick um we're, we're getting closer still not right on still a little over a week away but uh, zabari sandy um he he went public with the top five I guess on social this past week but I did I went back and look I was like wait a second. we already know this top five he had he had given um Gamecock central his top five in the last interview we had done and um will make his announcement on mother's day which is may 8th so a week from sunday and it, it appears the gamecocks are in in pretty good shape there
2: it does uh, a player that they've been on for a while um you know got it they're in on some talented defensive back prospects but he's certainly one of them um, from an area that they prioritized as well south Carolina looks to be in a, in a good spot here west so um you know chance to 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 get a guy in the boat at a at a position of need because look they, they did bring in a from a pretty numbers heavy DB class um, and they will be split I think those guys will be split between some different spots for safety nickel and corner but they'll need to continue replenishing that that this year's class for instance isn't going to solve the long-term depth issue like it's safety so DB is still important we get that question a lot like what's the priority positions for 23 It's still all of them. You know, I don't think this is where you go. Well, they're completely set here. They're completely set here. I still tend to think that, that DB is going to be a pretty important spot going forward, even though they did sign a quality class there in the 22 group.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I I don't think certainly that it's going to be the same number required this year, but you just want to keep, keep stacking quality. And, um, you know, may, you can be maybe a little bit more selective on guys because you're taking a, a smaller number, but you, you definitely do want to keep getting guys. And, um, you know, now I think it kind of shifts. that they, A lot of those guys, I think, are a little bit more safety-oriented, um, potentially, safety nickel. Now I think you're, all, like everybody's looking for, you want to start to maybe these next couple classes find that next lockdown corner because I think you feel good you feel good, you feel great, maybe about Cam Smith and Darius Rush and Marcellus Dial as sort of being your your three main guys for now for this season. But you start looking ahead, and uh, right now you want to be recruiting for for down the road, obviously. So I, I think that's a it's like quietly a, a big priority is to to keep landing guys and and keep upgrading those spots and and moving forward from there. But uh, but Sandy, if they can get him, would be an excellent pickup and certainly um it it appears good we'll say it like that appears good for the gamecocks to land him got a question earlier that we missed but is relevant to what we're talking about right now before we get out of here noah if you're still on here appreciate you being patient you may not be but uh he said uh do you think the football commitments will start to flow a little easier um now after the first one um well the, the first one is still not out there still not public for 2023 obviously but uh I do think the answer is yes, Chris. And I think you start to look next month. You know, obviously, if uh, if they get Sandy on the eighth, that would kick it off publicly. Or somebody else could step up and and do it first. Or if it starts to roll into June, there are going to be so many top prospects on campus for June. I expect another busy. I think May, June, July. As far as commitments go, who knows exactly which month is going to feature that that run of commits that we always see, but I can all but guarantee at some point during that, maybe you send that out to August as well, but Chris, there will be that run of commits where it goes from like a low number in the class to we're sitting there saying, well, they only got this many spots left.
2: <laughs> That's right, and, and I do think, and I'd said previously like the summer, but I think you could even go all the way up until like sometime in August, like you said, maybe even like September 1st, this team isn't going to go into this football season without commitments. You know, I think, you know, plural, if they if that does happen, then I think we'll be sitting here fielding questions about concern and we'll probably say, yeah, this is, this is concerning for South Carolina. I don't expect that based on the trajectory. I think, you know, you go into the summer and a lot of these guys that are going to be visiting official visits are already being booked. There's a weekend to June 24th weekend. There's already five public bookings for official visits and that those will continue to grow multiple weekends. There's camps. So maybe new offers or maybe unofficial visits. Right. So you got a lot of activity. A lot of these guys are eyeing or some of them, at least should say, are eyeing finish out official visits this summer make a decision before my senior season. And so the timing does line up, and some of those guys are guys that South Carolina's going to have a good shot to go sign. So it's kind of the summer official visit season in June. That's kind of the finish line for a lot of these guys.
1: SC Scott guy says, uh, the, the portal has helped a great deal, but I hope to start to see focus more on getting high school kids and developing them. Um, you know, Chris, when, I, when all this sort of started, I thought – South Carolina was on a big portal class last year. Maybe that number starts to go down a bit this year. And what we're seeing, actually, from a, a national standpoint, more portal recruiting than maybe, certainly I'll say, maybe I anticipated from a big-picture standpoint. But I also think you you kind of look at it, man, and for South Carolina, I agree with scout guys Point His premise, I I agree 100%, but I don't think the portal is ever going to go away as far as South Carolina goes. And I don't even think at this point that it's going to dwindle down to taking two guys, three guys. I I think there will always be value for a school like South Carolina in taking five, six, however many of the right portal guys. Now, you you don't want to let it get too far into where you're just shuffling guys in and out, right? But I I think the portal recruiting for Carolina, we've seen they have success there. We've seen they can get difference makers there. Um, It's a scary way to live because those guys aren't into your program. Sometimes for, you know, sometimes they're there for one year. I I think the shift will be if you can help it away from the one-year transfers. And more towards almost all of the two and three year eligibility transfers, like your Corey Ruckers, like your Antoine Wells. Guys like that, frankly, at this point, are not, it's not that different than taking a freshman.
2: Yeah. And I think some of it's going to be like need dependent. Um, When you look at South Carolina's portal recruiting, it's been need dependent because. You know, some of it's just you you need a starter, so you would go to the portal. Or a potential starter jumps into the portal, Spencer Rattler. That checks multiple boxes. Um, Some of it is just depth, you know, to where to, to field a competitive roster early in the Shane Beamer era. You know, you feel like you need to bring some guys in that have some level of college experience to give you some depth. And maybe he's not a guy you would take this year out of the portal but you, you took him then because it's better than signing a high school player who you cannot – literally can't lay eyes on because of COVID. Um, for South Carolina, I do think the portal for them at this stage of development is going to be even more critical than some schools. You know, like Alabama just took a kid from Louisville. They can go cherry pick a kid or two from the portal or whatever. South Carolina has more like portal needs because they're still building their depth and because they're not at the blue blood recruiting level, they're not recruiting like Georgia or, you know, some of these other programs right now. So how can you go get like, you know, talent like that? Sometimes the portal is your best option there. Wes, did you see some of the data that came out on the transfer portal? I think four or five days ago. I
1: did but, not. Do you have it in front of you?
2: Yeah, I got some of it. Go, go check it out. Um, if you just Google it, you know, there, there's, the NCAA actually put out the data and the portal entries, you know, were unsurprisingly. Uh, the portal was more active in 2021 than in 2020, which is not a surprise. But the the most interesting part of it is four in 10 portal entrants didn't find a home that was like equal or better to the one that they left. So 54% found a, a FBS home. And then if you're at the FCS level, you know it's even riskier. So Pretty, pretty interesting data there, you know, whether or not people see those trends and examine them and if there's some kind of like market correction to be determined.
1: Yeah. do the kids care about the data or are they going to say that doesn't apply to me uh, is the, the big question, but certainly I think to an extent it will level out a little bit, but you know, I, I mean, we were all young at, at one point and uh, kind of hard headed when you're young. You say, oh, that doesn't really apply to me. But then it may end up actually pl- applying to you, so we will see what happens there. One more question here. We're going to take, then we're going to out of here on our Liberty Tax Line trip. Calmer saying, "What position do you think we need the most?" Uh, trip. I'm assuming we're, we're talking about 2023, and uh, again, as Chris said, you you want a you want every like you want a good balance class, right? Like you, you're at the point where you want to start taking some balanced classes. I don't know if there's a position that has the biggest need from you know like you, you gotta stuff the numbers so to speak i'll say this though um and i'm i haven't really thought about it but going off the top of my head i think the the biggest need for south Carolina in 2023 from a quality standpoint is the edge spot is defensive end edge pass rush however you want to call it um and I would almost say, by far, the biggest need. If you look at the roster, like I, I think you probably look portal again there too. You want you obviously want to add uh, montague Rames, maybe the most important target in the entire class for South Carolina. But then past that, I mean, I'd be looking JUCO portal. I'd be looking. You know, is there somebody in my neighborhood that has an extra year of eligibility left? Like, you know you. It, it's a need, man. It's it's a big need. Qu- I would say, quantity-wise, I do think they will take a pretty big O line class because we t- t- we've talked about all these starters that are coming back and guys that have played and backups. Well, guess what? All that eligibility is about to just walk out the door in some cases after this season. That it won't be all the guys, but there's a bunch of seniors that are playing on the O line, and they took a three-man class this past class. I would look, you know, take four or five guys on the O-line potentially.
2: Yeah, could definitely see that. And, and we're completely on the same page with the edge position. And, uh, Wes, I think just the vibe I get is I don't know if people realize how, in my opinion, like urgent that need is because I, I think people look at – they don't – first of all, you don't really realize how good you had it with Inigbari and Sterling. You know, not that it was like the best duo in the country, right? But those guys are good. And going to be picked in the draft. Sterling was really good. Um, and you still don't – it's not like you have two 100% proven commodities in Strawn and Birch. Both those guys have done some good things. But behind them, you know, you don't have the depth. But then you look beyond that and, and you got a couple issues. Strawn is a senior. And Jordan Birch will be a junior later. Um And then you still have, you know, we'll see how some of these younger guys develop. But then in the 22 class, you basically struck out, you know, you missed on Barham. You missed on James Pierce. You brought in Donovan Westmoreland's already playing the will linebacker position instead of edge. Brian Thomas Jr. will be a freshman. So that makes it critical that I think you go sign some guys out of high school and you get some guys out of the portal so that you can develop some young guys. But have some immediate help, too.
1: Definitely, man. I, I think uh, y- you're right on Enigbare, too, man. They're, they're going to miss him. And, uh, hey, so what what do you think the chances are that
2: our Panthers end up with Enigbare? Oh, I, I am good with it. You know, I liked the pick last night. You know, I had it in my mind that, they, uh, you know, the quarterback situation's bothered me so much that you need to take a quarterback. Probably would have been maybe a reach or – you know, maybe not the best because you need so much help around the quarterback. So I like taking an offensive tackle. That's been an issue. Enigbarre. You know, I'm very curious to see just where he gets, where he goes. Period. We know he's going to be the highest drafted guy. Um, he may be the only draft pick this year. Mm-hmm. You know, it stands. But for the latest that I heard, Wes, and I don't know anything about particular teams, but you know. Could he sneak into the late second as possible, but it's more likely third, fourth round from from what I've heard. So we'll see.
1: And I, I don't have any insight, but I, that that feels right to me. Uh, based on, you know, watching him play for his career. Um, you know, I, I think the, the testing stuff, just the numbers didn't quite match up with what these NFL teams are going to look for. In my opinion, for first round or high second round picks. And that, that's unfortunate. I think he's a really good football player. But obviously, the separation, once you get to that level, to the NFL, um, every little bit matters. So we'll, you know, we'll certainly, JJ was always a good dude, always carried himself well. Certainly will wish him well and wish the other guys well. Going to be a lot of guys, I think, from the South Carolina class that end up having a chance to make a team, but having to go that undrafted free agent route um, probably very quickly after the draft. Like, I think there's a bunch of really good football players that would be value pickups that would have a chance. But, you know, as far as having a bunch of them drafted, um, you know, may, maybe a guy surprises us. That That's that's always possible that a couple of these guys surprise us and get drafted late. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see certainly how it plays out. All right, Chris, you got anything else, man? I don't. Um, All right, y'all. We appreciate the support. Uh, Gamecock Central Live uh, on YouTube, Facebook, uh, let's see, Twitter, podcast platforms, like, review, subscribe. Um, Hit that subscribe button on YouTube, please, if you have not already. And uh, support our sponsors, our buddy Clint Hammond, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933, and the tax team at the local Liberty Tax locations here in Columbia, Irmo, and Lexington, 803-462-5576. For Chris.